What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Coming up on today's show, I'm going to tell you whether Jake Paul and Anderson Silva is next in a big boxing fight, and I'll also discuss whether Glover Teixeira might hang it up. Plus, I'll explain how Conor McGregor and Kamara Usman showed me that sometimes one second is all you need. All of that later, but I want to begin today's show by diving into the story that dominated the weekend in MMA. Team Week has put out a statement, and it was in reference to Holly Holmes' fight uh, with Vieira. And Team Week was basically, I'm going to paraphrase for you guys, but they basically put out a statement, and they just talked about the importance of the judges to know what it is that they're looking for, to know what the criteria and objectively interpret that criteria correctly to get to the accurate result. And this topic's not a new one, but it's never gonna go away. When people are judging people, it isn't fair. And I think I understand that on a different level because my father was a cowboy. He came to the rodeo system and he just always told me that ever since I was a little kid. Anytime you're in a sport where it's people judging other people, it's not going to be fair. Okay, now we all know that, but I heard it my whole life, so maybe it's a little bit different with me. When I look at the Holly Holm fight specifically, it's not about what Daniel Cormier saw, which was Holly Holm winning. It's not about what I saw, which was Holly Holm winning. And it's not about what the masses saw of you guys, which was Holly Holm winning. It comes down to these three judges, but the interesting part there is it was a split decision. It's not that the judges disagreed with Daniel Cormier or that the judges disagreed with Coach Wink or you guys or me. It was that the judges disagreed with the judges. That's your entire story. How did one judge see the same thing and see that Vieira won? How did two other judges see the same thing and see the Holly won? I realize I said that flip-flopped. But that's really the, uh, the bigger question. There is discussions of getting the judges and the announcers together, getting the Daniel Cormier's into a room with the fellow judges. I, I couldn't possibly care less if that happens. If that gets put on my schedule, I will show up. I will be perfectly pleasant. I will, I will sit there and listen. I, I'll just share with you guys before that mistake is made, what the judges are told to look for is told to them by the executive director, in this case of Nevada. So if the announcers are supposed to get smart with that same information, the announcers would have to be told that by the executive director, in this case of Nevada. It can't be the judges are told so, and then the judges come and tell the announcers. If the judges got it wrong to start with, if, if that's the case, and they, now everybody's wrong. I'm not suggesting for you, by the way, that the judges are. I'm saying if. It's why you don't do that. It's why you would never make that mistake. You both have the advantage of getting your information from the same source. There is no court. There is no objective body in the world that would remove that aspect. It is called hearsay. Now, moreover, you can be wrong. Daniel has come out and apologized publicly and proclaimed that he was wrong that the judges saw it another way. And I would push back and go, well, not so fast, Daniel. You did see it the same way as another licensed judge. Was this such a travesty and such a disaster that it needs review? Not for me. This isn't even really one that I would like to discuss a whole lot further. I mean, I remember Conor McGregor fighting Floyd Mayweather and Floyd Mayweather giving the first round away, not even trying to win it. And all three crooked judges of Nevada gave the round to Floyd. There was 10 seconds left when Floyd took a fist and moved it in a forward direction towards Conor McGregor. 
and the judges gave the round to Floyd. I mean, but just by example, that's one that should be reviewed. There are some matches that are just absolutely ridiculous. And then you bring in, I call it CompuBox. What do we call it in MMA? CompuBox is actually a business. That's a, what do we call it in MMA? Strike count? We bring in the strike count for reasons that I don't understand. First off, it is not interesting. Nobody cares. There has never been a video in the history of YouTube, which lets absolutely anybody make a video about absolutely anything that's had to do with the strike count. It is a very uninteresting detail, but it's included in our sport and we like to throw it up on the screen. When we throw it up on the screen as a talking point, which in the 15 years that it's been, nobody's ever talked about, but when we do that, it's still very misleading to our audience. You could have a fight that went to a decision where 300 effective strikes were landed by the red corner and 81 effective strikes were landed by the blue and the blue wins without question. How could it be 300 to 81? And you went, cause you're in a 10, nine must system. It has nothing to do with the fight. It's an uninteresting piece of data for one that it's uninteresting. But secondly, it's wildly misleading. If they wanted to do the fight stat and they wanted to do it in a helpful way, you would just break it down round by round. You would just say in the first round, this many effective strikes versus this many effective strikes. That's where you would start. And then you would say to the second round and you would start to show the difference because 300 through a contest versus 89 through a contest is going to lead you to believe that 301 and take for advantage that you don't understand a 10-9 must system. Totally relevant. I was there the night that Johnny Hendricks beat up George St. Pierre. I watched George St. Pierre win three rounds and lose two. And even though he didn't beat up Johnny, he won. And that's how the judges had it. They were criticized, but they had it right. I could give you many different examples. I'll use St. Pierre again versus BJ Penn. I was there the night BJ Penn beat up George St. Pierre, but I was also watched that BJ did that all inside of the first round, the round of which he won. He then barely in very close fashion lost the next two and the decision went to George St. Pierre. That was right. So the audience is greatly misled from the beginning. It's not on purpose, but if you throw up a fight stat and you think that favors Holly, which it did, that does not then qualify as evidence to the judges got it wrong. The fight stat over the duration of the 25-minute contest is wildly misleading. It's not interesting. It shouldn't be there because it's not interesting. I can't, I can't quit saying that. It's, it, that's a dull stat. But if that's going to be part of our sport, now it does mislead the audience, which leads the audience to think that the judges did a poor job, misunderstanding what a 10-9 is. So if we're going to combine these two things, we're going to combine our opinion with the judges and that of a fight stat, we have to break the fight stat down into what the judges are supposed to look at, which is per round. It's a very simple idea. But getting the announcers and getting the judges to all be chump for what? Say what you saw. And whether you do that by marking it on a pencil quietly or whether you do that into a microphone for everybody to hear, the role is the same. Say what you saw. We don't all have to see the same thing and we don't all have to agree. And every time a decision doesn't go your way to turn to numbers that you know are misleading, a little bit foolish.
So that's the story from the weekend. And another one that's emerged this week is about the queen of the flyweights, Valentina Shevchenko. Now, the bullet said something that caught all of our attention this week, and I want to comment on it. Guys, you ever wanted somebody to ask you out? Think back to maybe high school. Maybe you got word that this guy was going to come ask you out. Think of the prom or something like that. And you got excited and you got those butterflies and you thought maybe today's the day. And eventually that person works up the courage and they slide you a note. You open up the note. Imagine that the note said, they're considering asking you out. We'll revisit this. It is possible in November. Now imagine the hinge of the note though today, right here, today, in May. And the note says, we'll revisit this. Maybe we will do it in November. How are you going to feel inside? Are you going to be just as excited? Are those butterflies going to still be moving just as much? Are you going to be on much of a high? Is there anything in life that you would be excited for in this moment that if you kick the can six months, you'd still be excited? Or do it the other way around. You're not excited at all today, but six months from now, maybe you will be. Is there anything in life that you could insert and say, yes, Chael, here's what it is. The bullet came out and the bullet said she might return to 135 pounds later in the year of 2022. Is that possible to be excited for? And now let's play that game in reverse. Let's say the bullet said right here today, I am coming up to 135 pounds and I am doing it today. Are you excited? Because if you're not excited now, you're not going to be in November. If potentially you are in November, then you're not right now. Do you see how it doesn't work? They have to be the same thing. And I've seen countless fighters do this. It's what we call a tease. They will tease you. Now, the tease works really well. If it's something that you want right this second, right now, right now you feel those butterflies, right now you would be excited. And then you have to wait till November. That's a very different scenario. If it's something you couldn't possibly care less right now, I can pretty much assure you you're not going to care then. Now, within the same call out, and these are always weird, right? When a champion starts making these threats, there's only so many options that you have. There's only so many things that you could do. But this very topic came out one day ago. A conversation Ali Abdelaziz was having with the media. Ali represents Kayla Harrison, and the media was trying to juxtapose a matchup between Kayla Harrison and Cyborg. And this talk won't end. And Ali finally told the truth, which is nobody gives a SHI asterisk about that fight. And I was so relieved because nobody does. We don't right now and we're not in November. That's just not going to be a big deal to anybody ever. Then the bullet went a step further. She was talking about that division and she made sure to point out for the audience that she has already submitted Juliana Pena. Now that's an interesting play as well. I did not know that. I've seen Juliana's fights. I've seen Shevchenko's fights. I forgot that they fought, and I forgot that there was an arm lock. Doesn't matter to you. Maybe not. But I will tell you this got tested one time in the world of professional wrestling. The biggest match of all time took place between the Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. 20 years later, Ted Turner and company pay $4 million, the largest signing of all time, to get the Ultimate Warrior, and they're going to put him opposite Hulk Hogan. They're going to redo the biggest night of business that the industry had ever had. The Ultimate Warrior comes out and he rambles incoherently for 30 minutes. It was amongst the stranger wrestling spots ever done. But one of the things that he did make sure to bring up to a whole new audience 
all these decades later was the fact that they had already competed and the Warrior had beat Hogan. It deflated the entire thing right there. You could see Hogan on live TV as he's working into this moment when the Warrior tells the audience how the story ended the first time it completely deflated him. It sucked all the air out of the room. Most people were completely unaware that those two had ever crossed paths before. So what does it do? What is the point of the champion in Shevchenko going up to 135 pounds if she's taking on somebody who she's not only beaten, she's already finished them? Where is the bravado in that? Where is the bravery? What is interesting about that? Can you still do it today? Okay. I mean, it's something. It's very low-hanging fruit in the world of promotion, but it's something. Well, Julian is better now. Okay, we can go test that theory. I mean, Juliana would like to test that against the current fields of the weight classes that she's in, not have bunny, somebody smaller than her come up. Juliana's got to put her belt on the line. The smaller person who's also a champion does not have to put their belt on the line. I mean, are these selling features? Is this interesting to you in the least? Everybody should be striving to be Mike Tyson. It did not matter who you put opposite Mike Tyson. It just didn't matter. Did not matter who Mike's opponent was. The whole world wanted to know. And I think the bullet is that good, by the way. I think the bullet is just as destructive, by the way. She's a far more interesting character than anyone else we've seen in the sport. Not only does her sister fight, but her mother was a world champion in some, what was that, judo or something? But her mother had some level of notoriety. She speaks, I'm talking about the bullet here, seven languages. She's trained not only in unarmed combat, she's fully trained in armed combat to the point that she is instructing other people in armed combat. She's a fascinating person. It would seem as though when she's doing these interviews, she should bring in, a, bring in this Mike Tyson allure and esque of absolute destruction, regardless of who it is, not fainting a possible move to a weight class to try to capture a championship that she failed the first time, but the new person is somebody she's crossed path with and had success before, so she might just do it again in November. Come back to what Ali said. Nobody gives a to the weekend's events. Anderson Silva won another boxing fight. And coming up next, I'll tell you if I think he'll end up in the ring with Jake Paul next. That's in a moment, but first, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. Have you ever wondered how your favorite athletes and influencers ensure their grooming products are up to task? They use Hawthorne. Steph Curry says, I can't live without their body wash. And me, guys, I love their fresh aquatic work cologne. Hawthorne is a premium men's grooming brand that makes it quick and easy to be your best with confidence, with skincare and hair care made just for you. They use data from hundreds of thousands of customers to recommend perfect products for your body chemistry, skin type, hair type, and lifestyle. To get started, first, Take Hawthorne's quiz. They ask things like, what's your skin type? Dry, oily, normal. Are you a scent guy? It was actually really quick and easy, and the recommendations were spot on. My family loves the cologne that was chose for me so much. Not only do I put it on every day, my wife will spray it just to make the bathroom smell better, and my son even insists on putting a squirt on before he goes to school. Elevate your grooming game with Hawthorne's body wash, shampoo, and deodorant. And of course, they perfected the process to find your perfect cologne. All to make you sure 
you truly look and feel your best for whatever comes your way. What's more, Hawthorne stands by their customers. So if you're not completely satisfied, they will retailer your products for free based on your feedback and pay for the shipping. So there is truly no risk. So get ready for whatever comes your way this season by taking Hawthorne's quiz today. Go to hawthorne.co and use the promo code CHAIL to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. Use the promo code CHAIL, hawthorne.co, promo code CHAIL. As the weather gets warmer, Factor can help you spend less time at home in the kitchen and more time enjoying the warm spring weather with no cooking, grocery shopping, or dishes. Plus, they have the perfect health-conscious grab-and-go add-ons like smoothies and juices. Factor makes it easy for my family to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals that are delicious. You wouldn't believe that they're actually good for you. My family and I are always on the go. Between school pickup lines, gymnastics practice, traveling for work, and hanging out here with you guys, Factor saves us time. By delivering chef-crafted meals to our doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention cleanup. No dishes to wash here. These meals have been a huge help for my wife and I. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering, and it's healthier. Their registered dietitian and expert chefs work hand-in-hand -hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. They offer vegan and veggie meals, keto meals, low-calorie option, cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Head to gofactor 75 dot com slash chael120 and use code chael120 to get $120 off. That's code chael120 at go.factor75.com slash chael120 for $120 off. Jake Paul Anderson Silva is now the time. Hard to say. It's really hard to say. I mean, you you guys are the ones that are going to decide. Jake appears to be open to the idea. Anderson appears to be open to the idea. Now, Anderson appears to be open to any idea. I haven't heard him say no yet. I've heard Anderson say Jake's name. It wasn't heavy. It wasn't strong. I heard Anderson say Floyd Mayweather's name. It wasn't heavy. It wasn't strong. I do not know who Anderson fought over the weekend, and I happen to watch it. I'm not trying to be a dick at all. What I'm sharing for you is I don't think Anderson cares. I think that Anderson is really enjoying himself. I think he really does want to compete. And he's one of these guys that blows in the wind, where, wherever you want to go. Been a main eventer in sold-out arenas. He hasn't been a main event for a period of time. I mean, at least his last two fights. I think the Chavez fight was a main event. Am I right about that? But of all the things Anderson's done in boxing, the Chavez fight, the only one I didn't see, is the most impressive to me. To go into Mexico City in the dirtiest, most corrupt sport in the world, which is boxing, and get a win over the hometown guy. I mean, Anderson must have really beaten Chavez. That was a very meaningful match. Tito took a dive. Tito was wide awake and pretended to be asleep. That's just what happened. And then, and over the weekend, the guy did the same thing. That's not Anderson's fault. 
Guys were doing that in the UFC with Anderson. Guys were wide awake and they were just scared of him. And they were just pretending that they were out or they were choked out or whatever it was. Like, that's not a bad deal. I'm not giving Anderson a hard time. I kind of get frustrated when I talk about Anderson and I hear comments of Chael hasn't let it go. Sure, I have. Everything I just said is very objective. Everything I just said is very right. I'm not looking to give him a hard time. But it's very important that you do understand the approach historically of Anderson. Did you guys know Anderson was boxing over the weekend? Did you know how to find it? Are you any better than me at being able to say who the opponent was? All of those are a no. No to all three of those. It's relevant because while Jake is open to the idea and nothing has done a better job than Dana White making a comment that Jake would not fight Anderson because Anderson would kick his ass. Like, there's nothing that has made that fight more interesting, but Jake is open to it. Jake has tweeted about it. And it always puts Jake in a very tough spot. Jake was having a back and forth with Bisping a few weeks ago and people were talking about the age of Bisping. Of which Anderson's older and he lost. I mean, it's one of those things where if Jake can just never win, what's the point of trying? The other side of the coin, if we can work through this, because we all agree with Dana that Anderson can go out and be, that there would be an interest. But Jake is looking for something. And nobody appears to want to take the time to see what that is. And then go out and fulfill that requirement. And I do mean nobody. Nobody is on the proper push to get that opportunity. And Anderson's not going to be any different. Jake's going to have to look at that. It's very relevant. Jake has only had opponents. That's it. And he's done great business. And he's gone way further than anybody else thought that he would could go. Having opponents. Jake now needs and is looking for a partner. So that's where the Anderson gets tough. That's, that's where I'm light on the idea. Is Jake going to be able to come to a press conference and get a little something going? Is Jake going to be to go to social media where he is a star and leverage that like he's done at everything else in his career with Anderson, who's not going to do anything? It's an interesting spot. That would be a mega fight. It really would. I mean, that would at least be, let me, let me reword that. That would be a main event fight. Anderson didn't care that he was jerking the curtain over the weekend or that in his last fight he also wasn't the main event. It's one of those things. He's, he's not willing to fight for those positions. He's very satisfied with the ability to go out there and compete and the focus and emphasis on the training. I don't begrudge him for that. But it's a reality, and that's not what's going to be useful or helpful for what Jake Paul is currently trying to do. Jake's doing his part. He's showing an interest. He went and photoshopped and he was put out like a spider extermination or went on Twitter, but it, it worked. It was something. He's opening the door, but Anderson's got to kick it in. And if Anderson doesn't kick it in, Jake's going to just wait for the next guy and that guy's going to have to kick it in. But watching guys pretend that they want to fight Jake, but not studying Jake, studying what's going on, seeing what it is that's going to get his interest, and then going making themselves fit that mold, it's one of those things. It's, it's hard to respect it. So is it enough, the resume and the notoriety of Anderson? Is it enough for no help and no promotion? Now, the other side, of Jake's done a number of these things by himself. It's not what he's looking to do right now. Now he would like a little help, but he's done a number of them by himself. This not only takes the partner away, if you go the Anderson route, it takes what Jake does away. How is Jake going to come at you? How is Jake going to do the funny stuff? How is Jake going to do the ridiculous stuff? If the guy just sits there and talks about, I don't care, I just want to box and I just want to train, the fight could happen. 
If I had a magic wand away, well, it's the fight that I would make. If I had to give you a prediction based on back and forth and build up to a contest, which is what Jake is looking for, and he's looking solo, he's looking by himself. He sees a value in that solely alone. I'm going to predict for you, no, that fight does not get signed. So Anderson Silva, as you know, is one of the older guys who is still out there doing his thing, just like Glover Teixeira. Glover fights at next month's pay-per-view, and as you might expect, he's getting a lot of questions about how long he plans to keep on fighting. So a week ago, Glover Teixeira had to deal with a question that had to do with his retirement. This was like a week ago, and Glover answered the question. He said, I'm going to go fight for Hoska. I would like to fight one more time. As a matter of fact, I would like that fight to be in Madison Square Garden. That would be my last fight. I mean, there was a lot that he put on it, but Glover was kind of answering it, at least my interpretation. Perfect scenario. We never get perfect scenarios, but when he said two more fights by example, he said he wins them both by example. He says Madison Square Garden by example. He was kind of being a real nice, friendly guy, as Glover tends to do, and he answered the question put in front of him. Now, he's ran that back. He went out and he was, he kind of changed that answer and said, well, I got asked that question. I wasn't in training camp yet. I wasn't feeling wonderful like I am now. I think he called himself a bear. You know, when I'm in training camp, I'm a bear. I can feel I can beat anybody. I'm very confident going into Prohaska and I want to keep on fighting. Okay. Whatever. Like we're not holding him to it. It's a thought within the moment. I feel the bigger topic is who asked him that and why? That question is not asked to be nice. It's asked with a nice tone, but it's asked from somebody who has a negative intent. Nobody ever asked Michael Jordan when he was going to retire, just by example. Nobody ever said those words to Colby or said those words to Shaq, just by example. So when you start to ask a guy in MMA if he's going to retire, it's preluded on a hope that the answer is yes. Why? Sometimes it's for our heroes who are not as good as they used to be, who we see going down and falling down, who we see cannot follow the most basic rule of the sport, which is protect yourself at, mo at all times. We see that within them, and they have yet to discover that within themselves, so we start to ask that question as a way of planting the seed, as a way of doing something nice, of getting them to see what the whole world does. Every fighter is done and visibly done to the audience roughly 12 months before he sees it himself. But we do these things in this sport, and when you do it to somebody like Glover, who's not only the champion, he's coming off a massive upset of which he was in complete control. Glover became the number one contender through absolute dominance. It was not back and forth battles. Glover was really on top, and until we see anything different, he deserves to be remembered the way that he competed in his last contest, or even the one before that and the one before that, which was incredible. So I'm just, I'm surprised that question was asked. If it's being asked of somebody who's doing great, who is following the basic rule of protect yourself at all times, then it comes from a standpoint of you're really good, you're going to get top billing, but you're not exciting and or interesting. And if these guys can't beat you, would you please just step aside yourself, right? It's never designed to be nice. Never has anybody said, are you considering retiring? Because they were genuinely interested in the question. We have other things like that in the sport. 
If you pass 50 USADA tests, USADA will give you a jacket, take a picture, and send it out to the world. Now, the message there is in no part good job. The message is we tested you 50 times because when we look at you, we think you're dirty. So we keep showing up trying to catch you. And though you got us 50, let me assure you, I'm going to show up 50 more because we still think you're dirty. There has never been a fighter that they thought was clean that they showed up to 50 times, right? It's just, it's one of these really weird things in our sport. And there you got the person smiling, wearing the jacket and they're smiling. You know, they're all proud of the moment. The rest of us are going, yeah, but do you know why they knocked on your door that many times in the first place? Do you really believe that it's a wheel that goes around and your number came out 50 times? You've been fighting just as long as other people whose names came out three times. Do you really not know why they're here? Does Glover really not know why they're asking him if he wants to retire? Because he keeps answering it very friendly. He keeps being a very kind guy, but the question is not designed for that. The question is designed by somebody who would like to see Glover step aside. And that's because half the time, the guy should. He's not as good as he was anymore. Or when he's the champion of the world, he's doing it in a dominant fashion. You're just not interested in him and you want him gone. So word of the wise to Glover and to anybody else. If anybody asks you the question, are you considered retired? That person is not your friend. As we wrap up today's show, I want to tell you a story about Kamara Usman and Conor McGregor and me. But first, let's talk Chamayev. Chamayev called out Leon Edwards. What should Leon do? Now, guys, let me explain. Start with Kamara and Leon. In my history in this sport, I started at the beginning, okay, 1993. So when I tell you in my history here, let me, let me re reword this. In the history of the sport, there has never been a fight, ever. Has there been a title fight, ever? that has been announced for as long as Usman versus Leon has been announced without having a date. This has never happened. I also don't know why. I do know a matter of months ago, out of nowhere, Kamar Usman pops up on the internet. He had surgery. Okay, that's a really good clue. Has he not recovered? Maybe. We don't have that answer. Nobody's telling us. We just know that that fight hasn't happened. All of a sudden, Shemayev calls out Leon. Now, that's not without cause. Chemayev was signed to fight Leon. This is right when the pandemic breaks out. You guys might remember this. But there was a lot on that fight. Not only were they going to fight, there's going to be Chemayev's debut into the main event club. However, Chemayev was also unranked. Leon was number three. Leon was going to give him this opportunity. But Leon was told, you beat this guy, you get the title shot. So it was all Leon needed to hear. He was willing to do it. Now, we all also believe that if Chemayev got the jump, he was going to go right into a title shot. I suppose we'll never know. The point I'm trying to make is for Chemayev to call for a fight that he already had at one point and he already had it signed and we were promised but never got delivered, okay, fine. He's well within his limits. I think what I like the most about it, this call out, by the way, was yesterday. What I like the most about it is two days ago, Chemayev got married. There's something about a guy getting married on a Saturday and calling guys out on a Sunday that I like. There's just something about that. There's something about the competitive drive, the spirit. It never dies. No breaks, no days off. Like there's something about anybody that calls anybody out on a Sunday automatically gets a little bit of credit with me. But when the Sunday is a, your honeymoon, it's the day after and you call and then went back to your husbandly. I mean, I don't know. I, it's interesting to me. I liked it.
But my question to you, and the premise of this piece is, what should Leon do? Should Leon take the bait? And it's a two-sided question. Should Leon do anything except fight for a championship that he's been promised? No. No, of course not. Leon's used to waiting. Leon has waited. If he's got to wait a little bit more, fine. He worked his ass off for five years to get back to the spot. Never would I suggest that for you. However, there is still a game to be played here. Anytime you can show bravado, it's a good idea. And anytime you can go bite something that nobody else is willing to take a nibble of, but there's no risk, it's an even better idea. I don't think there's anything that Leon could do. I don't think there's any response that Leon could give. Yes, I'll fight you tonight. Pick a date, pick a venue, send him the plane ticket, build a... I don't think there's anything that Leon could do that could get him that fight. I think he's going to fight Kamar next. Which means it's a great opportunity to start puffing up. And I've seen the great workers do this a million times. I had a guy that was scared to death of me. Scared, I'll leave his name, he was scared to death of me. He would not say my name. I called him out all the time. I could, this guy drove me nuts. Every time I would sign a contract, boom, he'd call me out that day. As soon as I was busy, he'd call, as soon as I got a win, boy, this guy was gone again. Now, I'm not giving that guy a hard time. I liked it. I saw what he was doing. I saw where that is smart. I see where people in other organizations will call somebody a fight that they have absolutely no opportunity of getting, but that's not what they're doing. They're appearing in a certain way. Now, Leon has said absolutely nothing, and I will go ahead and predict for you, he will continue to say absolutely nothing because he doesn't want to run the risk of building something there that takes the opportunity from him. I don't blame Leon at all. Leon's hands are clean. Leon had the bravery to sign the contract to fight Chemayev already. So this is not, you're not going to get the schoolyard antics of you're scared. He's not scared. He's already, he's already agreed to do it once. And by the way, Leon showed up that day, not for nothing. Don't do that to Leon. And secondly, Leon has got an opportunity that he earned, but what is the delay here? I mean, Chemayev is not without cause. Hey, we don't know when we're going to get on with this. I'll help you get on with it right now. We can interim the damn thing or just buy ourselves a little time. Like, nobody's wrong here. But there's still a way that you have to play it. There's still a way that you could respond. I don't think Leon is in a position where if he puffs up and builds something and gets all of our interest, that that's going to supersede the title opportunity that he's waited for. I don't think. But if I was to make a prediction for you, I think that Leon's going to stay quiet because he's afraid that speaking up and getting interest would do just that. Guys, I've had a few times in my life where it was quick and it was brief and I knew everything I needed to know. Has this ever happened to you? So, I mean, let me just tell you one, for example. I never really appreciated football. Just didn't. Didn't see it as a sport. You get some guys out there, one guy's more athletic than the other. This guy's bigger, stronger. This guy's faster. And they throw the ball around and it, whatever. Four quarters go by and somebody's got more points. That was kind of how I looked at it, but I really thought that was true. And I knew some guys to back my premise. I went to high school with a number of guys. Number of guys that got their, their colleges completely paid for. Full ride scholarships. And I'd even turn to fellow players. i say, why, why did he get it? That guy's a wimp. I see that guy in the hallways every day. And my friends would tell me they also play football. He's got, well, he's got a lot of potential. You know, he's 300 pounds. He's six foot four. His father played. He's got potential. Okay, good enough. He got a huge skull. I'm solid at my sport, and I'm working my ass off for it. I don't know if I'm going to get any of my college paid for him. It was one of those things. So that, I had a jealousy factor, but there was an ignorance factor. But there was also a deduction. I mean, I did know some guys. That's true. There were some big boys walking the hallways of our school, and I would have pushed them right into lockers if I wanted to. They were getting full-ride scholarships to go play football. They didn't work very hard. They didn't train very hard. 
So I didn't really understand it. I was playing one day, doing strength and conditioning with Coach Solovsky, and I got a guy who just graduated from the University of Oregon who's been signed with the Kansas City Chiefs, but he hasn't reported yet, so we're doing strength and conditioning together. Coach throws him the ball, guy catches the ball, guy's right next to me, catches the ball, and Coach looks at me and says, Chael, take the ball from him. Well, he's right there. He's 165 pounds, right there. I'm going to take the ball from him. This isn't going to be a problem at all. I go to take the ball. He steps one way, which is where I stepped. He hits a spin the other way, runs up the hill back to coach, hands him the ball. I never put a hand on him. And my idea and respect for football changed in that moment. No matter how brief or how short it was, I learned what I needed to learn right there. I did not know there was fake outs in football. I did not know there was techniques. I did not know there was footwork until he stepped and I bit and he spun and went around me. Changed the way I looked at the game. Now, fast forward. I'm in Bristol, Connecticut. ESPN. I'm on campus. They set an octagon up on campus. They bring a guy out, a guy from Ireland named Conor McGregor. We get into the cage together. I'm going to ask him some questions. He's getting ready to fight a guy named Chad Mendez, who was supposed to be Jose Aldo. It changes. It ends up being Chad Mendez. With Conor. And I ask him a question. I don't know Conor very well. I ask him a question in the octagon. What are you going to do with Chad Mendes, who's a wrestler? And then I get into a fight stance. Connor hits me, or at least touches me, three times in well less than a tenth of a second. He knocks this hand away, knocks this hand away, and puts his to my throat. And he said, this was a Bruce Lee technique I could do, or we could come, and he does something else. And again, he touches me three times in well less than a tenth of a second. He says, or, and he gives a third option again, this guy's lightning fast. Lightning fast. And I came out of, and I had a totally different opinion of Connor. And I told anybody that was willing to ask, that's the guy. This guy's a problem. This guy might be the best I've ever seen. I said, well, how would you know? You never worked out with him. You never trained with him. What focus group do you have? But I did. I had all I needed to know. Fast forward my career. I'm in a tournament. I'm now a heavyweight. I'm in a tournament. The way the tournament breaks down, I'm probably going to have to deal with a friend of mine named Roy Nelson. So I'm at, uh, again, it's ESPN. We're in Los Angeles, but I'm not working now. I'm part of the media. So Roy and I were both in the tournament. I think Rampage Jackson was, I think a few of us are out there. Roy and I are waiting for our turn. We're in a back room and Roy wants to show me something. He wants to show me some kind of a technique that could help me in an upcoming fight that I have. So I jump up, you know, we kind of move the furniture out of the way type deal. I do something to Roy. I shot in to grab his legs, whatever. He told me. He said, hey, do this and let me show you what to do. I did it. He hit me and I went to the other side of the room and I remember staring at him going, oh my goodness. Like, I really hope that we never meet up. That was all I needed to know. Just in that, just how big he was, how powerful it was. It was just one of those moments. Fast forward. Fast forward to 48 hours ago. I'm in the cage at Eagle FC. Kamara Usman decides he wants to show a move. Kamara Usman was the closest to Conor McGregor in terms of speed. Kamara was showing me something he calls a pimp step. He has two pieces of footwork that he largely does in all of his fights, and only two. I'm not going to be more specific in what those are, but one of them is called a pimp step. So he's showing me this, and as he does it, he's blocking my arm off, he's cutting off an angle, and he puts a right hand right here on my face, and he stops it on my jaw. He hit me, stops it right on my jaw. And it was so lightning fast, I couldn't believe it. It was so lightning fast, I said, you got to do it again. I didn't see it. And Henry Cejudo was with me. Henry and I are trying to learn this technique 
from Usman. So Usman does it again. It was the same thing. Knock my hand out of the way and punch me full speed and stops it right on my jaw. He stops it. That's incredible control is the point I'm talking about that he made contact. That he could throw it that fast, that hard and stop it right on my whiskers is a different level of athleticism. Again, it was so, I had to see it one more time. He showed it another time. So it was three things, a total of three seconds. And I'm exaggerating time. I knew everything I need to know. Kamar Usman can go with Canelo Alvarez. Who's a bigger hater on MMA and boxing than me? Who tells you MMA has no chance more than me? Kamar Usman can go with Canelo Alvarez. Roy Nelson was too damn strong for me. Conor McGregor's fast. And that football player that I told you about did go and report for the Chiefs. They did a kickoff in his very first play in the NFL. He caught the ball and ran it back 93 yards for a touchdown. Sometimes a second is all you need. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening today and for all of your support. We just reached 1 million subscribers on YouTube, and I want to thank you for that. The MMA News Cycles continues on, and so does Uncle Chael. I'll be back on Friday with another podcast, but until then, I am Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.